Today, I'm going to be talking about prayer. I'm in this series that I've titled, What's Up With That? And this is the last week in this series. And the series, What's Up With That? is a series where we talk about the different components of Christian worship. And we've already prayed several times today as a part of our Christian worship gathering. So in this series called What's Up With That? We're going to talk about prayer. Look to your neighbor and say, What's Up With That? You guys are getting it now. Prayer is simply talking with God. Here's a definition for you. Prayer is talking with God, to God. Now there are times in prayer when we talk to God like He's a friend we just met. Some of you are new to the faith, or maybe you don't really have faith in Christ yet, and you're curious about it, and that's why you're here. If it's interesting to you that a church meets in a school in the center of the city, maybe somebody brought you because their faith is very important to them, and you came along as a way of sort of supporting them or encouraging them, or maybe you're interested. And, and so maybe your relationship with God is something like there's an idea out there that might be God. And so if you were to pray, it would be simply like talking to someone you just met, someone that's new in your life. There are other times that we pray and we say things to God that we would never, ever say to another person. Things so private and so deep that we would be terrified if another person found out about that. Prayer can be intimidating. But I want you to know something. God wants to hear your prayers. This is a really easy sermon, to be quite honest. Because I want you to know, God wants to hear you talk to Him. He's proved this. I mean, when God became flesh in the form of a man named Jesus, who walked on the earth, died on a cross, was raised from the dead, that is an evidence of the fact that God wants to have a relationship with you. He made a way for the thing that separates you from Him, your sin, to be erased so that you can boldly, confidently approach Him with things like prayer. God wants to hear your prayers. I need to get that into your minds early on. Psalm chapter 34, verse 15, it simply says this, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears toward their cry. Do you know who the righteous is? Anyone who's repented of their sin and placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they're righteous because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for them. So God wants to hear your prayers. We, we pray as a part of our worship gathering, and it is so valuable. Uh, and you may wonder, well, why do we do it? Well, here's, here's the big idea. We pray each week because there are some things that we cannot accomplish without some outside supernatural power working to do what we cannot do in our own strength. Listen again. We pray each week because there are some things that we cannot accomplish without some outside supernatural power working to do what we cannot do in our own strength. More simply, we pray believing that we need the supernatural to work in the natural. Whatever is on your card, I wonder if you could accomplish that in your own strength. When we talk about prayer, what we're really talking about is being aware of the fact that there are some things that need to happen in our individual lives, in the lives of people around us, and in our city, and in our world that we cannot in our own strength accomplish. We need a supernatural being to work 
beyond or outside of the natural to accomplish something that needs to happen. This is why we pray. We pray. So in this series, I've taught, what's up with that? I've taught about the Bible, about singing, about offering, about the Lord's Supper, and about baptism. So the way I'd like to build out my sermon is talking as it relates to prayer about each of these things and how we need prayer to, to draw out or stir up in us a desire to be the kind of people who value the Bible, who get the singing part of worship, who are generous in our offering, who are willing to recognize the meaning and the purpose of the Lord's Supper, and then also give evidence of our life through baptism. So, so here we go. So the Bible. You know, in our natural strength, I mean, without prayer... You can open the Bible and read Scripture. You don't have to be a person of prayer to pick up this book and read the Scripture. But we need prayer and a divine connection with God so that we can have understanding of the Scripture. Do you know that? We need prayer as a part of our Christian worship gathering for us to understand the words on these pages in a way that hearing them, we will respond to them when we leave this place. Otherwise, it is a merely an intellectual exercise of you know, seeing words on a page. And this is a book unlike any other book. But we need prayer as it relates to the Bible. There was a man by the name of Origen. He was, some say, the first real theologian of Christianity. He lived in the second, late 2nd century, early or mid-3rd century. And uh, he was the author of 6,000 works. 6,000. This guy was recognized as being one who, who when he, anytime he opened up a conversation with anybody, he would open it up with Scripture. He would refer to the Bible. But something that was also known about this man, Origen, was that he was a person of prayer. He said these words that became famous. He said, Lord... Inspire me to read your scriptures and to meditate upon them day and night. I ask that the words of scripture may also be not just signs on a page, but channels of grace into my heart. The psalmist said similarly, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. There's a verse for you to memorize and to think about as you're opening God's word to read it. We need prayer for the words of the Scripture to become something that compel us to respond in faith to who God says Jesus is. Prayer, as it relates to our Scripture reading, is so important. And we must confess all along the way that we tend to resist God's truths. You ever read something in the Bible and said, "Uh, I don't think I agree with that. Because it doesn't align with the way we think about things. All of us have that in us. It's very common today. But in prayer, what we can do is we ask God, God, would you help me to see the truths as you want me to see them so that I can respond to them in a way that's honoring to you. So we pray so that we can understand the Bible. You know, we also sing as a part of our worship experience. And I appreciated Cameron's leadership today so much because there's that part where we're saying things to God that we might not think of to say on our own. I mean, we might not think to raise our hands on our own, but it makes sense when we're singing songs to say, I raise my hands to God. I mean, that makes sense. But 
in our natural strength, we can play music for you. I mean, we can sing words. I mean, you can sing words. But we need something supernatural to happen for God to stir our hearts to worship. I mean, Matt and Cameron know this. They've been worship leaders for a long time. Uh, it's only the Spirit of God that can do something that would stir people to sing songs and to feel deeply the truths of what we're saying. We, we, we have singing in our worship service, but without a supernatural work of God. They're mere, it's mere music. It's, it's no different than what you say coming in listening to the radio. We need to pray so that our worship is filled with the Spirit of God. And I know that can be hard. Prayer is an investment that will give you a return far greater than anything you can imagine. Uh, many of you, we, it's an interesting church that we have because we have lots of professionals. And uh, some of you are deal with money every single week. And you make decisions every week to invest money. And you invest money in places that will offer a return. And what's interesting about investing is that oftentimes when people begin making investments in the market, they are naive to think that they will get the kind of return that they want. They have to be realistic. So maybe a good investment would return over a period of time, what, 6 to 8%? Is that about right, Travis? Maybe 10, 12? Do you, know, you got any secret? You got anything? Do you got but I'm going to tell you something about prayer. When you invest in prayer, the return is wrong. When you invest time praying to God, the return is incredible. When you invest time in praying that God would do something in your heart during this music part of the worship service, God will pour out on you His Spirit in a way that you could never have asked or imagined. It's unpredictable oftentimes. We pray so that we can understand the Scriptures. We pray so that our songs mean something and are true and honest from the soul. We also pray, as it relates to the offering part of our worship service, and so that people will be generous givers. I mean, for me as a pastor, in my own natural strength, I can invite you to the joy of radical generosity, to the offering time in our worship service. But I know this, I need God to stir in your heart a desire to be generous, to be faithful in your giving. All of us must recognize in our own hearts a resistance to be truly generous. We resist generosity. We resist giving to others in a way that hurts us a little bit. We must recognize this in our hearts. And how do we move beyond this? We must pray and ask God to help us to become generous givers. There's a man by the name of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He lived during the early 16th century. He was a Spanish knight. He was seriously wounded in battle. And during his time of recovery, he would read texts on the life of Jesus. During this time of recovery, he read these texts on the life of Jesus. He became a Christ follower. And he began to pray for seven hours a day. I mean, can you believe that? Seven hours a day. Frankly, there are some days where I struggle to pray seven minutes. 
St. Ignatius Loyola is respected as one of the most influential thinkers in Christianity in our 2,000-year history. He wrote these words about generosity. Lord Jesus, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and to not count the cost, to labor, to not seek reward, except that of knowing that I do your will. We must pray as a community of faith that we will become the most generous, giving community ever. And God will give us great joy in that. We pray also as it relates to the Lord's Supper. In our natural strength, we can offer you these elements. And we'll do this at the end of the service. We'll offer you the bread, representing the body of Christ, broken for you. We'll offer you the juice, representing the blood of Christ, shed for you. But it is only through the supernatural work of God that your hearts will be stirred to faith in that. It's only through the supernatural work of God that your hearts will be stirred to believe. We cannot stir in our own hearts faith. Some of you are wrestling with God and you say, I just don't know if I believe. Let me encourage you with this simple prayer. It's the prayer of the apostles. Luke chapter 17 verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord Jesus, increase our faith. Let me tell you, whenever you become a person of prayer, and if we continue growing in our understanding of prayer and the power of prayer, you know what will happen? People who others thought were well on their way, fast track to hell, will meet Jesus and respond in faith and become some of the greatest witnesses for Christ the world has ever seen. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you are here this morning and you were on the road one way and God met you and changed your life and now you're on the road the other way. What is the reason for that? Well, oftentimes what's behind that is somebody has been praying for you. All of us need to be the kind of people that pray and ask God, God, increase our faith in the message and the power of the gospel, which is represented when we take the Lord's Supper. We're confessing, I believe that Jesus' body was broken, His blood was shed so that my sin could be erased, so that I can be right before God, so that my life can have purpose and meaning. Have you ever heard the name Hudson Taylor? Raise your hand if you've ever heard the name Hudson Taylor. Yeah, Hudson Taylor was a, a British a Christian missionary, and he's known for having the mission work in China, and he founded what's called the China Inland Mission. He spent 51 years in China. It's not like today, although certainly being a missionary in China today in the areas where he was would be difficult, but in the day-to-day, -day, you know, there are lots of resources, lots of, I mean, you get on a plane to go over there. Well, Hudson Taylor got on a boat, nearly died several times getting there. But when he was a missionary in China, he began this society that was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country. They began 125 schools, and they resulted in almost 20,000 Christian conversions. But here's the interesting thing about Hudson Taylor. Although when anybody that knows anything about missions and the work of taking the gospel to unreached people groups around the world, they think about Hudson Taylor as one of the forefathers of that work. 
Hudson Taylor uh, didn't become a Christian until he was 18 years old. And when he was 18 years old, the story goes like this. He was at a point in his life where he was searching for direction, and so uh, he wandered around the house, he wandered into his father's library, and he stumbled upon a pamphlet that was sitting on his father's desk. And the pamphlet was a story of the gospel, a story that is talked about in the Bible, the good news of the Bible. The story is this, that God created everything, man rebelled, sin has broken all things, but through Jesus Christ, God is restoring all things to himself. And anyone who repents of their sin and places their faith in Jesus Christ, not only are they accounted as righteous before God, but they get to live a life of meaning and purpose. He stumbled upon this pamphlet that shared that story. He read it. He got on his knees. He was so moved that he got on his knees and confessed Jesus as Lord. And from that day forward, his life changed. His mother was out of town, so he waited expectantly for her to return. She returns to the house. And he begins to tell her, Mom, you'll never guess what. I was in Dad's library. I read the gospel story. And now I believe. And his mom looked at him and said this. I knew you would. Because ten days ago, the very day that you read that pamphlet, I spent the entire afternoon in prayer for you. And the Lord assured me that you, my wayward child, would be brought home to faith. See, prayer does something supernatural when it relates to somebody's faith. Maybe you're weak in your own faith and you're struggling with that. Maybe you've been the kind of person that's kind of dated churches here and there and you've attended every now and then because you have that in your heart, that little bit of faith that says, you know, I ought to be a part of a church. I ought to be hearing about the things of God. I ought to be in community with people that are going to encourage me in my faith. But maybe you have very small faith and it keeps you from really giving yourself to the Lord. You say, what do I do? Pray. Ask God to increase your faith. It's the kind of thing that I pray for myself all the time. I ask God, God, increase my faith that the power of the gospel is more powerful than the other forces that are in this neighborhood. That when we talk about Jesus and the way to God being Jesus Christ, that that message is so good and so right that it can turn the broken, the busted, the hurting into people that know and love you. you need an increased faith. We demonstrate our faith practically every week by taking the Lord's Supper. But we also give witness to our faith in Christ through this ordinance of baptism. In our natural strength, we can encourage you to be baptized and to give public witness of your faith, but it is only through a supernatural work of God that you will be burdened to demonstrate your faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus knew this. There was a time in the Gospels where Jesus was gathering with his disciples and he uh, wanted to send them into some villages to tell people that, that there was a new way of relating to God, that the kingdom of God was at hand. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he's gathering with his, this group of disciples he's about to send out. And he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words... There are a lot of people that need to see a witness of Christ, but there are few people who are willing to witness their faith. So he says to these disciples, 
Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. You see, what prayer does is gives us a confidence, gives us courage to witness our faith in Christ. Some of you are too shy in your witness of Christ. Some of you are unsure of your ability to talk about Jesus. We as a church might be intimidated by this opposition, if there is any, in the community that we're in to hearing about Jesus Christ. And you know how we deal with that? You know how you deal with that as an individual? Prayer. What will break through it? Is it better technique? No. Is it more skilled sermons? No. What it is, is we need God's Spirit to show up to give us the kind of witness that we need in this community. You need to pray that God would give you the confidence at your workplace and in your neighborhood so that people can hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prayer is so powerful. There's a story about the power of prayer. In the early 1300s, a Frenchman named Raymond Lowell developed a burden for the Muslim world and went to live and preach among the Muslims in uh, Bujia, Algeria. He was the first Christian missionary to the Muslims and after several years of ministering there and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, giving witness to Christ, he was martyred. He was killed for his faith. Well, many years passed and in 1960, God led another group of Christians to this same region for prayer and ministry. It was interesting because what they say happened is that they felt like God led them to pray every single day to make prayer their primary focus. So for 30 years, they prayed every single day for this village to come to know Jesus Christ. One night, everyone in the village had a dream. The dream was about Jesus. They awakened from their dream, and when the word began to spread that they all had the same dream, they sought out someone who could tell them who Jesus is. They heard the good news from these missionaries that had been praying, and they all responded in faith. This is the kind of thing that prayer can do. We pray each week because there are some things we cannot accomplish on our own. We need God to work powerfully. You know, even as I thought about my message today, and I combed through my notes several times, it occurred to me, in a message about prayer, there's nothing that I can do to get you to respond to becoming people of prayer. <laughs> it's kind of humbling and sobering, to be quite honest, as a preacher. I mean, I'm not going to operate in a way where I'm trying to manipulate you to respond to the challenge. But the question is on the table. What should we do and where should we go from here? Is prayer is so important and if it provides for us something that is so powerful and so supernatural, how should we respond to that truth, to that reality? I mean, when we pray together as a community of faith in our gatherings on Sunday morning and in our home groups and as a staff and other times, how, I mean, why do we do this? I mean, how do we move forward? How do we grow in prayer? Well, the first thing that we ought to do for the people that this applies to, is uh, we should repent of our prayerlessness. I've noticed that, that people who are professional, that are driven, that in their jobs have to wake up, have to charge, 
have to be smart, have to be put together. We tend to be to struggle in our prayer life because really what we think is we can kind of get it done on our own. And the reality is you can do a lot on your own. I just want to say it. You can do a lot on your own. You can build a business and make a lot of money on your own. But what I'm saying to you is that there are some things that you need to happen in your heart. There are some things that we need to happen in this church. There are some things that we need to happen in our city and in our world that will not happen unless we as individuals and we as a community of faith increase in our understanding and practice of prayer. Do you get that? We must repent of our prayerlessness. I, to start out the sermon today, in my prayer, repented of prayerlessness. I've been doing it all week. I do pray. I mean, it's a part of my life. But I realize that this is an ongoing struggle where I'm tempted to think that with my own ideas, with my own talents, that I can lead the church where it needs to go. But we as a community of faith, if this applies to you and you feel convicted of it, then you need to repent of your prayerlessness. You know what that means? That means like, God, I'm sorry. I recognize in my own life that I'm dealing all in the natural and I want to access the supernatural so that I can see my heart change. You cannot change your heart on your own. So that I can see the people I've been ministering to change and respond to the gospel. Some of you are here because somebody's been praying for you. And maybe your prayer of repentance is simply to say, God, forgive me for my sin. I know it stands before you. I accept that Jesus died on the cross, that his body was broken, his blood was shed, so that I can have my sin erased and be your child and experience the kind of life that you offer. We need to repent. We also need to commit. Now, this is kind of a fun thing to do because I, I wouldn't say to you that, okay, you need to commit to 45 minutes a day or an hour a day or five minutes a day or whatever. You need to sort that out on your own as an individual. What do you feel like God is compelling you to commit to? Some of you are just committing to waking up, putting your feet over the edge of the bed and praying for a minute before you leave for the day. I mean, some of you, that would be a big change. That would be a big difference. So maybe that's what you need to commit to. But here's what I want to challenge us as a church to commit to. I want to invite those of you that feel compelled to gather with me on Sunday mornings for the month of September at 9 o'clock to pray. It's a very simple thing, simple application. This isn't one of those like we're going to start a prayer meeting and I'm not going to plan for 12 months. All I'm going to say is for the next four weeks on Sunday morning, we're going to meet in the back of the gym at 9 o'clock. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our church. We're going to pray for the people in our church. We're going to pray for our neighborhood. We're going to pray for the kids at the school. We're going to pray for the things going on in your life. So what I'm asking you to commit to as a way of responding to this message of prayer is to be gathering with the church on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. You say, well, I'm just new to this church. And I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, that's okay. You can come too. It's not going to be one of those kinds of things where everybody's got to go around and pray. It's going to be very like relaxed and not... It's going to be supernatural, but we're not going to try to freak you out doing anything. There will be no snakes coming out of baskets. You know what I'm saying? Although, if you brought a snake, that would be weird. We would probably not invite you back. All right. So, we want to be a kind of church of praise. You know, I really think that God has something special in store for this community of faith. I mean, our church isn't a building or these, these objects. Our church is a people in a neighborhood. 
there are so many things that we'll never, ever accomplish unless God's Spirit does something supernatural. Do you hear that? If you're interested in that, in being a part of something like that, then I invite you in. I invite you in. Also, I want to encourage those of you that are in home groups. We have home groups that meet during the week. And uh, in our home group each week, we take prayer requests. But I want to encourage you in your home group to prioritize prayer. Praying for each other. Praying for lost people. Praying for our neighborhood. Praying for our city. And then again, as an individual, I would encourage you strongly to find a time and a place each week to pray. Will you gather with me in September? 9 o'clock each week. We pray each week because there are some things that we cannot accomplish without some outside supernatural power working to do what we cannot do in our own strength. I pray that we would become a people of prayer. Would you bow your head?